In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The seminary in Covington, Louisiana, sits on about 1,500 acres of pinewood forest. And when I was in seminary there, there was this tradition we had every year that we called Quest. And it was this sort of really intense scavenger hunt. And every year there was a team of guys who would come up with all sorts of backstories and they would hide clues all through the woods. And then one night, most of us would team up and we would start this hunt. Well, my junior year, uh, Quest had this sort of post-apocalyptic theme. And everyone was given a backpack with what seemed like a bunch of random junk. And none of us were told what we were supposed to do with any of it. Some of it was obvious, right? There was a spade so that you could dig. There was a flashlight. Uh, There was also a shoe, a sponge, and a bag of Skittles. And all through the night, my team was trying to figure out what this stuff was for while we went through the hunt and solved the clues. And it was getting close to the morning, and we were pretty sure that we had basically finished um, most of it And we still had a backpack full of what looked like useless junk because it was obvious that they had put stuff in the bag just to throw us off that we would never use. So one of my friends popped open the bag of Skittles and downed it real quick as we're heading back to the campus. And then we made it back to what's called the refectory. It's like a cafeteria. Uh, And we're going to turn in our final discoveries. And there was a guy there who was supposed to be playing the part of this trader that you could buy some of the things you needed for clues. And the group in front of us was bartering with him, and he said he needed a shoe. So they reached into their bag, and they pulled out the shoe and traded with him. So then my group reached in our bag. We got the shoe ready. We get up to him, and we handed him the shoe, and we expected him to give us our clue. And he said, no, wait a second. I just got a shoe, but I could use something sweet. Don't you have anything like Skittles you could give me? And so we lost because we had already eaten the Skittles that night. Um, We get a story this morning from the book of Daniel, that's a similar experience. Um, we're in a time of, of Israel's history that's called the Babylonian exile. And the Babylonian empire had invaded Israel and they deported everyone out to Babylon. And, and the Jews weren't living as slaves, but they were sort of just second-class citizens. Well, Belshazzar is the king and uh, he's holding this big party and everyone's getting drunk. And so he thinks it would be funny to take all the stuff that they stole from the temple in Jerusalem, the gold and the silver items that were used for the liturgy in the temple, and to use them as a joke in the party. So they're taking the precious articles of the temple that are consecrated to the glory of God and for his worship, and they're profaning them by using them as common drinking glasses and toasting their idols and gods. And we get this weird story where... uh, God manifests himself before Belshazzar and basically writes his condemnation on the wall. And it's a pivotal moment for Israel because this condemnation is foreshadowing the eventual return of the Jews to Jerusalem at the end of the exile. But for our purposes today, we're going to put the kind of historical significance of this aside and look for a deeper moral. So Belshazzar, the king, isn't responsible for the exile. He isn't the king that deported the Jews. He isn't the one who stole the items from the temple in Jerusalem. In a way, he's an inheritor of the crimes of his father. He inherited a bad situation that's not his fault. But 
he also has in his possession everything he needs to make the right decision. He has all the items from the temple, right? He has the most precious things in the Jewish religion. And we can spiritualize this in a way by saying that through no act of his own, everything that Belshazzar needs to do right has just landed in his lap. And all he has to do is be responsible, make the right decision, make the most of his situation, and he can come out on top. And not only does he have everything materially that he needs, he also has the failed example of his father, Nebuchadnezzar, who himself died because of his disrespect of the things of God, and whose downfall was predicted by Daniel. So Belshazzar has the material things he needs to do right, he has the example of his father's mistakes that led to his downfall, and he has Daniel right there, who's the one who can give him the best possible advice to make the right decision. So what does he do? He throws it all away. He has this huge party, he gets drunk, he waits the good thing that he's been given, he ignores the bad example of his father, and he's throwing it all away while worshiping these false gods, right? Idols, things that Daniel himself will say that they neither hear nor have intelligence. So they're useless, basically. And so Belshazzar also loses everything in the end, just like his father. Okay, so all of us have inherited our life experience, right? We have seen the mistakes of other people. We've also been gifted things that we cannot provide for ourselves, right? Like your education. None of you in this room, none of you, can afford to go to cathedral on your own. Someone else is paying for you to be here right now. But despite the fact that we are being handed something that we cannot give ourselves, and that is so astonishingly greater than anything we could give ourselves, despite that, so many of us waste that opportunity. And maybe we do that by partying, or maybe we do it in other ways, right? And this can be applied, of course, to so many things more than just your time here at Cathedral. But so much of our life is a gift to us that we couldn't have possibly given ourselves, even if we tried. And instead, we often waste those opportunities in our life by toasting our own idols, right? The way people think of us, our reputation, a team, a group, whatever it is, things that in the end have no real bearing in our lives, but are simply temporary enjoyment. C.S. Lewis once said that he wonders sometimes whether all pleasures are not substitutes for joy. See, none of us were meant to keep jumping from pleasure to pleasure to pleasure, trying to keep up, right? Trying to use all the resources in our life to maintain this sort of high. We were meant for joy, for real joy, for something that's tangible, lasting, something that has an authentic value, something that's worth the effort, worth the sacrifice, and yet something that fewer and fewer people are achieving today. Why? Because it's hard. Because it requires you to tell yourself no from time to time. People say that learning to tell others no is one of the hardest things you can do. No. One of the hardest things you will ever learn to do is to tell yourself no. So how do we do it? may already know what I'm going to say because this is the most constant piece of advice that I give young people. If you want to be a better man or woman, 
Find yourself someone, a good friend, who will tell you no for you. See, Belshazzar had everything he could possibly have ever needed laid right in his lap. But the most valuable gift he had wasn't in gold or silver. It was Daniel. Daniel could have told him where to stop if he listened to him earlier. If the only voice you're listening to is the one inside your head, you're going nowhere, and you're going there fast. G.K. Chesterton gives this definition of a Christian. He says, it's someone who has plucked up enough courage to face the incredible and the inconceivable idea that something else is wiser than he is. Now, we have a lot of smart kids here. But not a single one of you have enough intelligence or enough life experience at this point that you know all the answers. And for you seniors, right, you don't get that intelligence when you walk across this sanctuary in a few months. I don't have that. No one knows all the answers except Jesus Christ. And if the people around you aren't bringing you closer to Jesus Christ, then they have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.